It's Monday, March 21st. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The war in Ukraine stretches on as reports come in that Russia is using hypersonic missiles, as well as reports that they shelled an art school where 400 residents were taking shelter. Despite the continued onslaught, some experts say that the war could be headed toward a stalemate. Russia has mounting casualties, loss of equipment, and had their progress on the ground slowed down. The thought is that Ukraine might not be able to push them out of the country, but that Russia can't take more of Ukraine. Ginger Gibson, deputy Washington digital editor at NBC News, joins us for this and a preview of the confirmation hearings for Kentonji Brown-Jackson. Next, the country runs on Amazon deliveries, and we've all seen the Amazon-branded vans in our neighborhoods. Back in 2018, they launched their delivery service partner program as an opportunity for people to build small businesses using Amazon's technology and experience in logistics. While definitely an opportunity, it can be tough to turn a profit as partners must foot the bill for cost of worker compensation claims, leases on vans, and damage repairs. Amazon also holds control of almost all aspects of the business. Lauren Kaori Gurley, reporter at Vice News, joins us for how some Amazon delivery companies are being crushed by debt. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. I felt that what I did get from her is that she takes a very thorough, careful approach. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, the uh, war in Ukraine has uh, extended for quite some time now. Still no end in sight, really. The UN has said that 10 million people have fled their homes. So these are either people that have been displaced inside their country or as refugees abroad. I mean, that just shows kind of the impact and disruption that's going on there. Some of the latest we're hearing is that Russia has been using these hypersonic missiles on Ukrainian facilities. So these things can target things 1,200 miles away. They travel at 10 times the speed of sound, very destructive. And they're also uh, hearing that the, um, the Russians shelled an art school where they said there was 400 residents that were sheltering. That's right. So we've heard a lot of criticism from the U.S., particularly from U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield to the U.N., who has said that the Russians are really targeting civilians, that there was this targeting of this drama school where there were children sheltering there that we saw earlier last week, that they um, uh, they were shelling at a theater where we knew women and children to be sheltering underground. They had written the word children in Russian outside of the building in hopes of deterring an attack there. So these accusations have been leveled by the Americans as well as NATO allies, that the Russians have just a disregard for the civilians that are being injured. And I think this is part of the effort we see by the Ukrainians, by the Americans, by their NATO allies to show the world that what Russia is doing is unacceptable. Part of what has happened in the last 20 something days that this has been going on, as you said, much longer than anyone thought. Even their allies, the Russians' allies, are not quite with them as they were before. Yeah. The Chinese, the Turks, they've lost a lot. And it's because of these decisions and using these new dangerous weapons and, and having a complete disregard for what is happening to the civilians on the ground. Now, the destruction, all that continues, but we're also hearing some other interesting stuff. So uh, experts are saying that we could be headed towards a stalemate in all of this, that Russia just can't continue the pace of all this as they have been. They have casualties, loss of equipment, uh, lack of progress on the ground. 
uh, you know, some estimates, obviously, these are all estimates. We don't know hard numbers, but they're saying that Russians on the front lines are being killed or injured at 1,000 per day. The thought process is that Ukraine can't push Russia out, but that Russia might not be able to take more of the country. The Pentagon uh, told, uh, the source of the Pentagon told my colleague Courtney Kuby this week that uh, they were expecting it could take them two weeks still to um, take Kiev, which is much longer than they had originally expected, and much longer fighting than anyone would want. And as you're right, this idea that they'll hit a stalemate. But there is still concern among American intelligence that as they become more frustrated, as they continue to be unable to accomplish their targets, that Putin and his military will escalate the type of weapons that we're using. We're talking about hypersonic missiles, but we're not talking about nuclear weapons at this point or chemical weapons, which was a fear that some had last week when the Russians started talking about the Ukrainians could use chemical weapons that, that in fact the Russians would do so. So that's also the concern that they could really escalate here um, when they're unable to, to get what they want using um, the ground warfare and they're watching the, their troops use, have these, as you said, really high casualty rates uh, right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously uh, we'll, we'll keep monitoring all this, but yeah, it just seems that the progress has very much slowed for Russians and it's just uh, uh, tough to keep maintaining that. Um, I did want to uh, mention just a kind of a quick preview for this week. Uh, we're going to be seeing the nomination, the confirmation hearings for Kentonji Brown-Jackson to be the next Supreme Court justice start. Um, so there's going to run, I think, Monday through Thursday. Tuesday, Wednesday should be the big days where, uh, you know, senators are getting uh, uh, most of their questions in. But, you know, what are we expecting throughout this whole process? Uh, we know that all the Democrats have to stick together to get the nomination uh, through, but uh, you know, this this round doesn't seem as contentious as it has been in the past, uh, you know, most notably Brett Kavanaugh. That's right. We'll have uh, the play by play every moment on NBCNews.com. We'll have a live blog and all the live coverage. But I'll give you a spoiler alert. We expect at the end of it that they confirm her. Um, and that this is not, as you said, that contentious. Now, we are expecting to hear some Republicans throw some attacks out and criticize her jurisprudence and talk about maybe the writing style of some of her opinions or how many opinions she's written. Um, there'll be some of that. Uh, and as you said, Tuesday and Wednesday, those will be the question days. On Monday, they're going to give opening statements. So that's generally less exciting. Uh, but we're going to see all of that play out this week. And then as you said, Democrats stick together. In fact, we expect even a couple of Republicans will vote for her nomination yeah. at the end of the day uh, to get her confirmed uh, by the time this session of the court ends. Um, and then she would take a, take her seat uh, in the fall. Yeah. And she's replacing Justice Stephen Breyer. So it's not going to change the makeup of the court. Another reason why it's probably not so contentious and sides aren't fighting so much. So, yeah, we'll see how that all plays out. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Amazon sometimes will terminate its contracts with these small delivery companies, I've heard. Like, out of the blue, someone will get a phone call after being with Amazon for you know, over a year and saying, we're cutting your contract. You have to lay off all 80 of your drivers. Joining us now is Lauren Kaori Gurley, reporter at Vice News. Thanks for joining us, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me, Oscar. Well, uh, let's talk about this interesting story you wrote up. In, in 2018, Amazon debuted its delivery service partner program. So this program was designed to really help Amazon make all the deliveries that 
the country basically runs on right now. And uh, the way they they marketed this was uh, for aspiring op- entrepreneurs to build their small business. You can use Amazon's technology and all their process, all their logistics, their knowledge of logistics, everything. And uh, there were special incentives for veterans, black, Latino, Native American owners. They said you can earn an annual profit of $75,000 to $300,000. So that was a great sell. I I think they'd even give you some money for initial startup costs, all that. Now, the years later, you were able to speak to a number of people who were involved in this program and probably aren't doing so well. They're being crushed, they say, by debt because of the way the program works. You know, Amazon helps you with a lot of with some of the costs, but everything else is really put on that small business owner. So, Lauren, tell us a little bit more about this. So I've been covering Amazon and specifically Amazon's last mile delivery uh, sort of uh, part of their business for several years now. And um, I kept coming across owners of these delivery companies, so the entrepreneurs that you're talking about who um, sort of got on board with Amazon's program and, you know, maybe invested $10,000 of their own money to start to launch what is called a delivery service partner program out of an Amazon warehouse. Um, I believe there are 2,500 of these small businesses around the the U.S. now, and they employ more than 150,000 drivers. Um, So these are, when you see Amazon um, delivery drivers walking around with their vests and driving the Amazon branded vans, those are actually not Amazon employees. Those are contractors. Um, so essentially I started hearing from a lot of owners who were going into serious debt participating in this program. They weren't making the seventy-five dollars to $300,000 a year in profit. Um, in some cases, they were going into the negative by hundreds of thousands of dollars. And this is specifically um, covering costs that Amazon um, sort of places onto onto its delivery companies. These are uh, damages on vans, workers' compensation claims from when workers get injured. Um, Amazon sometimes will terminate its contracts with these small delivery companies, I've heard. Like, out of the blue, someone will get a phone call after being with Amazon for you know over a year and saying, we're cutting your contract, you have to lay off all 80 of your drivers. And, and people are locked into all sorts of contracts parking lots and vans and they have deposits on their vans and that all turns into a significant amount of debt so people are facing bankruptcy Um, I just briefly want to say that it's not every single business owner who's dealing with this like some people as Amazon will point out are still making money Um, but I think there's widespread frustration right now you know, part of this whole thing, and, and you're right, there are going to be successful entrepreneurs and, and business owners that, that do succeed at this type of model. But part of what some of that frustration grows out of is that Amazon controls almost every aspect of this person's delivery service. So they can decide on who you have to go to get the van repairs or, or check out damages to vans, things like that. Everything is kind of under their purview. They can change the routes at any moment that your drivers are going to take. So this is all causes pressure on on the delivery businesses. Tell us what Amazon does pay, because you mentioned kind of all the other stuff that the business owners have to pay, such as the insurance claims, overtimes, all that. But what does Amazon pay for? They they pay for about roughly 10% per package delivered. So Amazon, they pay about three different things. They pay 10 cents 
based, I guess it changed, varies a little bit based on the region and the cost of living in the region and the U.S., but they pay 10 cents per package delivered to the delivery company, and they pay roughly $150 per day per delivery route. So keep in mind that like a delivery route is, can be 8 to 10 to 12 hours and have hundreds and hundreds of packages on it. Um, with that $150, they're expected to cover all of the labor costs, all of the costs of, you know, um, just running a business, which are, you know, overtime pay, tows and repairs, leases on vans, et cetera. Um, the other thing Amazon pays for is gas. And then uh, these delivery companies can earn, actually earn a bonus if they perform really highly on Amazon's weekly scorecard metrics. So Amazon has all of these sorts of metrics that they're tracking using different apps. One of the apps is an AI-powered camera that sits in the van right next to the driver's rear view uh, mirror. And uh, if, if a driver gets like a fantastic plus score, which is the best score, they earn an additional 15-ish cents per package delivered. Now, if you don't qualify for those bonuses, I've heard, you're basically not making any profit. So you're basically just uh, working your ass off and <laughs> part of my language and uh, just not, not able to, to stay, stay afloat. So yeah. the, the scorecard is really important. Yeah, and we've even heard of similar things uh, for workers that work in the warehouses. If you're not meeting the quotas and, and things packaged per, per hour, whatever the metric is, you'll either get dinged or reprimanded, whatever. It, it's it's really tough to keep up to to the process there. And all of this, right, for Amazon, it reduces the reliance on UPS and, and the postal service. As you mentioned, everybody's seen those Amazon-branded vans. I think I see those vans on my neighborhood more than a UPS truck uh, driving by. That's kind of the rarity now. And it helps them on that front. And all of the other main costs of uh, maintenance and all that stuff falls on these small business owners. So let's get into an example because you, you spoke to a number of people who had their contracts ended or got out of the business because of the debt. Jim, a contractor in Boston, has a pretty interesting story. He was managing a fleet of 30 vans employing 86 people, I think it was. And Amazon called him up and said, your contract is over. Uh, you got to tell all those people that they're out of jobs now. So Jim is actually a pseudonym, but Jim is, uh, is a guy who got into the business like right in March 2020. He actually relocated his whole life um, from uh, a town in the Midwest all the way to Boston. He opens up one of these businesses with his two sons and it's one of the hardest times to be working in Amazon logistics because suddenly everyone in Boston, everyone around the country is turning to Amazon for to fulfill all of their needs. Uh, not everyone, but just their, their business is skyrocketing. And so Amazon is actually not sort of responsible for making a lot of this work. It's these delivery companies. So he, you know, does this for 16 months. He passes his audit with flying colors. And he gets this call out of the blue, um, which, you know, he says was absolutely devastating that, you know, he was losing his contract. They provided no reason. They gave him an NDA that says, uh, if you, you know, we'll give you $10,000 if you never talk about this happening. Um, and it gave him like a line by line script, which we obtained for how to break the news to his drivers, telling them that he had to lay them all off. Tell me a little bit before we move on with the rest of Jim's story, a little bit about that script, because... Part of this whole program is that Amazon provides you with a lot of other help, right? So they'll give you a coach to help you coach you on the business and a, and a few other resources mm -hmm. available to you. 
But yeah, this is one of the things that they'll tell you. It's like, hey, your contract is done in maybe 30 days. You can't tell your mm-hmm. employees for two weeks, I think was in one of the examples. Yeah. And then here's the script. So what did the script, how did that lay it out to employees? <laughs> the script that provides absolutely no information about why the contract is ending. It makes it sound as if it were sort of a mutual agreement that they've that, you know, both parties, Amazon and a small company have sort of come to to an agreement about ending their relationship with each other. When in reality, it's very much in the cases that I've spoken to drivers or owners about is a very much a unilateral decision that, you know, these companies are sort of strong armed out of business by Amazon. They have been playing by Amazon's rules and try, I mean, running these, these businesses where they're working seven days a week crazy hours for, for months and months and months. And then after, at least as one as one guy put it to me who had his contract cut, it was just like a huge slap in the face after doing everything yeah. as Amazon had said uh, to, to suddenly lose his contract for no explicit reason. So back to Jim, just to finish his example, uh, he had even gotten an award from Amazon congratulating his team for delivering 3 million packages in one year. And as you mentioned, you know, all of his other costs, costs for running the business. So renting the parking spots, the office space that he needs to have, the apartment, obviously, because he had to relocate, the space for all the delivery vans, the maintenance, uh, workers' compensation, all of these bills obviously just keep mounting for him. And in the end, I mean, one of his big suspicions was he thinks that Amazon just hired too many of these delivery service partners. A number of people I asked, like, did they give you any reason? Uh, no, they didn't give me any reason. And I was like, if you could speculate, what do you think? Why do you think they were letting go of you in this instance? And it it seems like a lot of people feel like Amazon vastly overhires or brings on too many of these companies, or they just bring on what's convenient at the time based on the demand. And then um, a lot of this decision making is sort of centralized up at the corporate level in Seattle. The people who are cu- making the decision to cut them is a group called Amazon Network Health. And the, the, the delivery companies feel like, you know, they don't know the owners. It's not like they're, they're in touch with them or really understand what it's like on the ground. And so they, they sort of make these arbitrary or not so arbitrary, but like pretty ruthless decisions to cut people um, seemingly because they've, they're just sort of using contractors to expand and contract as the market okay. sort of makes makes most efficient for has Amazon. There, has there been any response from Amazon themselves about this? I know they'll point to the success of certain uh, partners, but <laughs> anything on this front? You know, Amazon actually responded to us, uh, actually ignored several requests for comments that I sent out, and then they responded to us maybe five days after the article came out saying, like, we essentially... Uh, terminate contracts because these companies aren't performing well. That's what they said. Um, and right. and uh, <laughs> that's, that's basically all I know. I know yeah. that um, they, they frequently like to point out the, the delivery companies that are, that are you know, performing well and doing well and as, as sort of examples of how the system is actually working well. So they wow. have a different perspective, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, diff- a difficult business to be in. And as I mentioned, the, the country is running on Amazon deliveries right now. So, it, mm-hmm. I mean, sad to see some of these companies uh, being crushed by debt, but something you have to be aware of. Lauren Kaori Gurley, reporter at Vice News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much, Oscar. That's it for today. Join us on social media. 
at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.